Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 39, and we are recording on Wednesday, November 21st. I'm Katie McLean, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Yay, welcome back, Katie. Thank you! It's good to be back. London was fun, but it is good to be back home, where everyone drives on the right side of the road. Do you have any fun stories you want to tell us before we like jump into it? Like anything cool you got to see while you were there? Oh my gosh, we saw so many cool things. I um, I don't have anything specifically mystery related, although I did uh, pick up a couple of uh, mystery books at a few of the bookstores that we went to so that I could read them and then talk about them on the podcast. Of course, I don't have them in front of me, so I don't have the titles, um, but those will be coming up on a featured podcast. Um, but yes, we had we saw a ton of stuff in, in London, out of Lo- outside of London. Um, we got to visit the little village where Roald Dahl uh, lived and wrote most of his well-known stories, so we visited the Roald Dahl Museum. We got to visit his graves site um so that was that was really interesting um we oh my gosh we did oxford and cambridge we've we did a day trip to liverpool um where i got where i which was like my beatles oh my beatles mecca and (laughs) it was we did um we did the magical mystery tour bus there which was just incredible um on the one of one of the best experiences that we had on the whole trip when we were on the bus and the tour guide asked if anyone was celebrating anything the couple in front of us said that they were that it was their 25th anniversary and he's like oh i'm he's like i've got a beatles love song i'll play for you guys and then he said well is anyone else uh celebrating anything and i said well we're on our honeymoon and he said oh my gosh you're kidding me so he asked, he said, did you use any Beatles music in your wedding? And I said, yeah, we did. Um, Blaine danced with his mom to In My Life. Hmm. And when we walked back down the aisle, after, after at the very end of the ceremony, we walked back down the aisle to What Is Life by George Harrison. Nice. And he played those songs for us in the bus while we're driving through Liverpool. I was in tears. It was just the coolest. I'm like... This, this is just the most amazing experience to be driving, you know, to be riding, th- riding through where this all happened. Like, um, I, I talked about it on uh, on the remixed podcast, but I mean, I I grew up listening to the Beatles. Like, the Beatles are just a part of me, and so it was it was so special to be able to have that. Um, and then afterwards, I uh, we went to dinner, and then I went and got a Beatles themed tattoo in Liverpool. <laughs> Yeah, I saw the picture of that. You posted it on Twitter. It looks so great. Yeah, it's a, um, a blackbird tattoo. So that that was that was like an um, the whole t- the whole thing was just an amazing experience for me as a Beatles fan. Um, and then uh, and then the other big the other huge noteworthy thing that we did we went to the um, Warner Brothers Studios to see all the Harry Potter stuff. Nice. Oh my gosh, we took so many pictures, so many pictures. <laughs> <laughs> it was just Blaine just was laughing at me the whole time because my face and I know no one could see me, but I was just like, ah, like the whole time we were there. And at the very end of the tour, we got to walk into this giant room where they had a scale model of Hogwarts. It's like they said it's one twenty fourth the size of the actual castle. So it's big. And they're playing the music from the movies and the lighting is changing to go from night to day and like little lights come on on the castle model it was oh my goodness 
again, tears, like <laughs> tears were welling up. And I was like, it's so magical. <laughs> yeah, so. I went to um, Universal Studios yes. and got to do the Harry Potter world there. And like, I was basically the exact same way. Like my, fa- like I took pictures or like I had, you know, I was there with my family and like they were taking pictures of me like in front of stuff and I would like post it to Instagram and my friends are all like, I've never seen you look that happy before in your life. And I'm like, you guys don't under like it legitimately feels like you're there and it's like so magical and so wonderful. (laughs) My friend has a picture of me from Universal where we had just entered and we were like in the honeyduke shop mm-hmm. and there's a picture of me and the expression on my face looks like i am so happy i'm about to keel over yeah and the pictures of my other friend kind of reaching out to me like oh my god are you okay are you going to fall over do i need to get someone but that's kind of how it was the whole time it was just oh my god it was so cool it just oh my gosh it just made my heart so happy um and then the the last random thing that um that was just totally unexpected but it was just a small thing that just really made the trip we did a we did a um a day trip to the lake district up north in england and uh we visited this tiny little town for like an hour or so to grab lunch and we stumbled upon this uh lgbtq friendly cat cafe which oh, i was just oh my gosh like we we walked in because we were like well we need some some place to eat we're like oh they got a rainbow flag outside cool let's go there and uh, and then so we were talking to the the woman at the at the front with the cashier, and she's like, okay. So she's like, are you guys taking something to go? Are you eating here? I'm like, oh, we'll eat here. And she's like, okay. She's like, have you guys ever eaten at a cat cafe before? And I'm like, a what? And then I look through the door, and I went, oh, my God, they have cats. And I'm like, Blaine, we're staying. And <laughs> So we had uh so we we uh had a small meal with cats crawling over us and trying to steal our food and we missed our cats very much. And so it was it was so heartwarming and delightful. It was just totally unexpected, but afterwards we were like, you have no idea what that meant to us <laughs> to have all these cats climbing around. So so yeah, that's that's the long and short of the of, of our honeymoon, but like I said, it, we it was fun, but glad to be, glad to be back. Um Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, there's, there's, everything is still a garbage fire, but glad to be back where, where everyone's driving on the right side of the road. <laughs> well, we are very happy to have you back on the podcast. Liberty was great, um, as I'm sure anyone who listened to the last episode can tell you, uh, but we are very happy to have you back. Well, thank you. I know I'm not, I'm not the fount of Agatha Christie knowledge that Liberty is, but... <laughs> That's a that's okay. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I mean, literally, no one is. I don't think. I don't think Agatha Christie knew as much about herself. I don't think anyone can rival Liberty in any aspect. Honestly. Oh, all right. Well, I'll uh, I'll uh, cap off my my little honeymoon monologue with the introduction to the show. If this is your if this is your first first episode, welcome. I don't usually talk that much at the beginning of the show, um, but we we talk about everything mystery and suspense related, uh, news ad, uh, news about adaptations, new books that are coming out. We do uh, kind of themed uh, book suggestions. We'll talk about um, specific books that we are really interested in. Uh, we'll talk about kind of subgenres in general. Well, we talk about a bunch of different things, lots of true crime, um, and so this is the point in the show where we always um, invite our listeners to uh, give us feedback on the stuff that we've talked about. If there's um, any information that you think 
would be um, that you think would be really interesting for us to talk about in a future episode, or if you have anything to add on to what we were already discussing, let us know. We love hearing from people. Um, we'll have our contact information at the end of the show, um, but um, but yeah, we always we always put that up front. We love we love hearing from listeners and from the people who chat with us on on Twitter. Um, and we a lot of the episodes have come from suggestions from you guys, so we very much thank you uh, for that. All right. So to kick things off, one thing I need to mention at the top of the episode, because I mentioned it at the bottom of the last episode, and that's a terrible place to do it. Um, we are doing a holiday recommendations type of episode. It's going to be the next episode that we record, actually, if I'm looking at my calendar correctly. Um, so if you want book recommendations, specifically, obviously, mysteries and thrillers and suspense and whatnot, um, or you want recommendations so you can buy a gift for someone else, um, or you just, again, want them for yourself or are just interested in a specific topic or genre or something along those lines and want a book recommendation along like very specific, um, please email us or tweet at us. But email would be better because we definitely won't lose those emails. Um, you can send us an email. Again, we'll have all of our contact information at the bottom of the episode. Um, or you can just uh, send us a tweet with your questions or anything specific you might be looking for. Um, yeah, it's our first time doing one of those holiday recommendation episodes. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I don't I, uh, I'm trying, I probably should have prepared this ahead of time. Um, I will say probably a good deadline point is December 3rd, which is Monday. Mm -hmm. So if you can get it to us by that point, it can, we can like guarantee that we'll have time to like look at it and have good recommendations. Um, if it comes after that point, then we might not have enough time to be able to get really good recommendations for you guys. Um, but again, if you want to send us an email, you can email us or you can send it to us via tweet. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. That's, uh, this, that's part of what I do at work is people ask for recommendations based on books that they're interested in. And then I give them a list of stuff. So this is fun. <laughs> yes, very much. Um, all right. So into the news for the episode, first up, um, something that I was like super amped about when I saw it, um, Netflix announced that they are going to be adapting Daphne du Maurier's Rebecca. I just read this book maybe a year or two ago at this point, um, but ever since I read it, I've just been recommending it to other people. It's such a great like suspense novel. Um, there isn't a lot of information out about it, um, but Army Hammer is set to play Maxim de Winter, the main male lead, and Lily James is going to be the unnamed protagonist, which now that I'm saying that out loud, I'm kind of wondering if they're going to give her a name for the movie or not. Um just because I don't know if I've ever watched a movie where the protagonist didn't have a name, but that I don't also watch a lot of movies in general. Anyways, um, so yeah, that's basically all there is. I don't, I think um, they said it's going to release next year. Um, but other than that, there isn't a whole lot more information, but I am super excited about this. I think the casting is really well done. Um, and I'm very excited to see sort of how they adapt it, like whether. There, like, there's no information. So I'm like, are they going to do like sort of a modern day adaptation of it? Or are they going to do sort of a more gothic version of it and things like that? So we'll have to wait and see. All right. And then another piece of adaptation news, that which is kind of more f funny <laughs> or fun, I should say. Um, they So if you aren't aware, uh, the Jack Reacher books by Lee Child were adapted into a film. I think the first one came out in like 2011 or 2012, something along those lines. Yeah, something and like that. 
Yeah, and Tom Cruise played uh, the main character, Jack Reacher. However, a lot of people, like fans and things like that, were like very upset by that casting because in the books, uh, Jack Reacher is apparently six foot five inches tall uh, with hands the size of dinner plates. That's what it says in the books usually. Or they have like some sort of like ridiculous uh, description for the size of his hands, things like that. Um, But Tom Cruise is only five foot seven. Um, And so... uh, Lee Child recently did an interview with uh, BBC Radio, and he was talking about uh, the adaptations and basically just said um, Tom Cruise is too short to be playing Jack Reacher, Um, which, yes, it's true. He is. And like he went on to like say, like, it's nothing against like Tom Cruise as an actor. Like he has obviously the talent to be playing the role, but a big part of who Jack Reacher is, is his size and the fact that like when he walks into a room, you're like immediately intimidated by him because he's so like big and tall and like physically intimidating. And Tom Cruise just isn't that. Um, So uh, there'll be a link to the article on BBC. Um, so you guys can check out uh, more of the information that they have there. But uh, Lee Child also said that they're not going to be making any more Jack Reacher films. And instead, they are looking to do something more like a streaming TV show for Netflix or something like that. And they'll like cast a brand new actor and things like that. Um, and again, he's like, Lee Child is not trying to like, be super like jerky towards Tom Cruise or anything like that. But, you know, you can tell when they're just not right for their part. But it's just funny because the headline is literally too short, Tom Cruise to be replaced for Jack Reacher reboot, which I was just like, oh, poor Tom Cruise. He's going to hear about his height for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah. And um, in other uh, adaptation news, um, NBC is planning a TV adaptation of The Bone Collector by Jeffrey Deaver, which it's funny when I read that headline i like that that jeffrey deaver is not an author that i've had on my radar for a while even though i have read the bone collector it's been a while um and i remember really enjoying it i remember it being very dark and gritty um and really liking the way um the way it played out um but yeah so there was a movie made in the 90s with um i think it was angelina jolie and denzel washington as the main characters um if you're not familiar with The Bone Collector, it's the first book in the Lincoln Rhyme novel or Lincoln Rhyme series. Uh, Lincoln Rhyme is a retired forensic criminologist um, who's left paralyzed after an accident. Um, but he's kind of been, he's brought back onto the force when uh, when there's like these these gritty murders happen. And then he's partnered up with a with a young detective whose name is Amelia Sachs. That's uh, Angelina Angelina Jolie's character. And he kind of um, he kind he kind of like coaches her through, you know, kind of kind of going through this process because he's like a genius forensic criminologist and she's and she's still pretty pretty new to the police force um so they don't have any uh actors in place for the lead roles um all we know is that nbc is taking over this and it's going to be a tv series um but uh but that's something to that's something to look ahead to might me might be a good opportunity for me to reread the bone collector um and maybe maybe a couple of the other books in the series we'll see um so yeah so make sure to uh, keep keep an ear out for more news about that um and then finally the goodreads choice awards are in their final round of voting um 
I'm just going to go ahead and say that the mystery and suspense thriller category is really boring. Um, Literally all white authors, you know, and yeah, there are books on there like, you know, The Witch Elm, which we are going to talk about for pretty much this entire episode. Um, And, you know, there's there's some other, you know, interesting books, but they're all the, the big bestseller mystery novels that you would expect to see. It's really, there's not really anything to sink your teeth into with this list. I mean, it's the Goodreads Choice Awards. I'm not particularly surprised, um, but that is happening if you if you were keeping an eye on it or wanted to get your votes in. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm it, feeling pretty uninspired with this, with this list. Yeah, I mean, like part of me is all, like I'm like sitting here just because, you know, we've talked about it and done an entire episode on it. But when I see that the president is missing is one of the finalists. I'm just like, ugh, people are clearly just like voting for either authors that they've already read before or just any name that they recognize, um, which ugh, I mean, again, it, like you've said it all, it's pretty boring. Um, but if you look at the reviews of it, it's not like a lot of people like super love that book um so i feel like it's just like a name thing that gets people going which is whatever i mean i'm sure people are allowed to do that but sometimes i like look at the goodreads choice awards and i wish maybe in at least the first couple of rounds they wouldn't let you vote for books you haven't read Mm. like that i feel like would completely change the game for like how these things sort of roll out. And I know that they will never do that because that will el- immediately eliminate people from choosing to vote uh, because they'll be like, well, I haven't read any of these, so then I can't vote anymore. And like, they don't want that. Um, but I feel like it would be a significantly more interesting list. Uh, like you have to have marked a book as read on your shelves in order to vote for it. Yeah, that w- that actually would be really interesting. Um, All right, Goodreads, if you're listening. <laughs> idea for next year yeah right because <laughs> you know people at goodreads are definitely listening to our podcast watch we're gonna get a tweet from them hey we actually are listening to your podcast <laughs> all right so before we jump into the meat of the episode i have our first sponsor and it is book riot insiders uh, bag your bookish perks with a 14-day free trial of book riot insiders you can sign up for a monthly or yearly novel subscription and the first 14 days are free uh, with book riot insiders you can wish list upcoming releases that you're dying to read in the new releases index which is curated by miss liberty hardy herself who you heard about or got to listen to to her talk uh, last week. Um, And it helps uh, keep track of the most exciting upcoming books. Um, You can get exclusive podcasts and newsletters. You can enter to win swag. Um, So yes, please join us on Book Riot Insiders. It is so much fun. Um, There's a great community of people there and you get so many great perks. I mean, honestly, I really think the new releases index alone is worth like the basic price. Like it's so amazing. Like every time I use it, I'm just like, how did I live before the new releases index? My it's life really great. was nothing before this. <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I, I mean, I tell, tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. You will not hear any arguments from me. All right. So, if you are interested in checking out Book Riot Insiders, you can. Head to bookriot.com slash insiders to find out more information, or you can click on the link that we will have in the show notes. Okay. Um, So as I hinted before, um, for this episode, we are going to do a deep dive into The Witch Elm 
by Tana French. So I will preface this by saying, if you have not yet read the book, skip ahead. Yeah. Because <laughs> we'll, there, there's going to be spoilers. We can't talk about this book without spoilers. And obviously, we don't want to spoil it for anyone without giving fair, fair warning. So if you keep listening past this, you have been warned. Yes. Okay. And I will... <laughs> Yeah, I was. I uh, this is like one of those books because, like, with the as I had mentioned before, when we did like the president is missing uh, episode, it was easier to talk about that book without getting super spoilery. Like, this is a book where you need to talk about the spoilers. Like, this is basically what happened. The genesis of this episode is Katie's on her honeymoon, and I finished reading The Witch Elm, and then I text her, being like, "I know you're not in the country, so you probably won't get this for a long time, but I just finished The Witch Elm, and oh my god, <laughs> that was basically the gist of my. It was like I need to talk about this with someone. <laughs> I don't remember where I was, but I remember. I remember we were doing. I looked down and went, uh-oh. <laughs> Rinsey finished the witch elf and she has feelings. And Blaine's yeah, like, I know, there are feelings about that book. There are so many feelings with that book. <laughs> well, why don't, since, since you have read it more recently than I have, let, let out some of those feelings. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing with the witch elm which you had mentioned previously i think both on the episode as well as like to me individually like this is a super slow paced book like the slowest of slow burns that i have ever read um i feel like it takes more than half the book for it to like actually get into what's really going on and so like when you're starting it off i or when i was starting it off i should say i was just like i don't like, I, I was fine reading it because Tana French is an amazing writer and I feel like I could, like, bathe in her words. Like, yes. I'm completely okay with, like, reading things that don't feel like they're going anywhere and all of this stuff. But part of me was also just, like, sitting there going, like, what is, like, what what is the point of this book? Like, in my head, not, I mean, I guess what, are the, what is the point of this book was kind of what was going through my head because I was just, like, I didn't understand, like, what was happening, like what she was setting up, where she was going, because like with all of her other books, even though some of her books are a little bit slower paced than like typical mysteries, you can at least see that like this person has been murdered towards the beginning of the book and they're trying to solve this murder or something along those lines. With this book, it's not like that at all. And it's so different. And then basically what happens is like at the two thirds mark, like a switch is flipped almost and then it like races to the ending with all of this information just getting flooded to you slash the main character and i was just like what 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 like every time he like finished up like kept turning pages being like i can't believe this is happening and like it just keeps on building until the very end it's crazy but then like when you finish it you like understand everything that she was setting up from the very beginning and i was like holy crap that was so masterfully done yeah i was just like so surprised but also i mean yeah that's like a good starting point i think for me in terms of like my feelings yeah no i i i did have the same reaction um it's it, it, and yeah, like I, I did mention before, it 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 is a lot slower, and because the first part of the book starts off, he's out at a pub with his friends, and they're talking about you know stuff, and you're and like they keep alluding like okay something's going to happen, 
And what happens is that he, uh, when he comes home, um, there's, um, I can't remember if he walks in on them, like when he gets home or if it's after he's fallen asleep and then he wakes up, but, um, cu- no, yeah, he walks in on them okay. when he gets there's home. A, there are a couple of burglars that are robbing his house and he walks in on them and they attack him. They hit him over the head and basically, they basically leave him for dead or, you know, seriously injured. And he is very seriously injured. He wakes up in the hospital. He has a serious, um, a serious head injury, um, that ultimately affects his memory for the rest of the book. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's interesting the way that plays out and how that affects some, how that affects like the way the mystery is laid out because you're because there's there's the issue of his memory loss which is which is a significant thing like he does actually have memory loss but the other part of this is that the main character who Toby right okay yeah Toby he always talks about himself as being a lucky guy like you know things always just work out for him he's got great friends he's got a good family he's got a fantastic girlfriend like he's just kind of this golden boy and he you know he like acknowledges this that he's that he's a lucky guy but the story is you know it's how that luck and how that that privilege how it just completely gives him a completely different worldview than everyone else in the book. So it's an interesting yeah. way that it plays off of each other because the, I mean, the main crime in the book is someone discovers a skeleton in the giant, in the, in the elm, in the elm tree on the family, the family, his um, uncle's home. So it's like, okay, whose skeleton is that? And how did it get in there? And he finds out that it's someone who he went to school with, um, who's clearly been there for a while because he's a skeleton now. Um, And as, you know, as police come and they question him about who this person was, would anyone have had a reason to hurt to hurt this guy? And uh, Toby's like, no, he was, you know, he was a fun guy. We hung out, you know, he wasn't one of my best friends, but yeah, we knew him, but his cousins who are, who are there at the house, they have a completely different view of this person, that he was extremely homophobic, that he was a bully, that he was a rapist, that he was like, you know, he was just this really terrifying, awful person. But because of Toby's privilege and he was you know he was the golden boy he didn't have to worry about any of that so he literally did not see it um but it's part of it is him going like is this my memory like i literally do not remember this or you know is this the or is there just something very so fundamentally flawed with how i experienced you know growing up basically yeah i think um what ton of french i think is tackling here is so much it's such a like perfect book for this time mm-hmm. period um because like a lot of what gets discussed towards the end of the book as like information is getting revealed to Toby and he's realizing all this stuff is that like his level of privilege and like he never even like thought about it as being his privilege like he didn't realize that one of his cousins would get like beat up regularly or like, yeah, like he was like seriously bullied in high school and 
like that's one of those things where it's like or he was just like yeah you know like everyone gets like teased a little bit and his cousins have to be like no it wasn't just like normal teenage teasing like this was actually had like psychologically detrimental impacts on people like and Toby is forced to like reckon with the fact that his life growing up he but yeah he just had so much privilege and that impacted the way that he ended up basically living out the rest of his life and like there are all these sort of like little seeds that are planted throughout the novel that sort of allude to that but you don't really see the full extent of it until like Toby sees the full extent of it and it's just like this really brilliant like slow reveal of like who he is and also just like the perfect sort of commentary on like how I think a lot of people in privileged positions um, are like forced to reckon with their privilege in and of itself. And like some people handle it better than others. Like Toby obviously um, handles it better than a lot of other people do. But I think that sort of confronting it in this way was just a really smart sort of slow, like that sort of slow reveal is a really good way to like introduce a character to that sort of conversation where it's like, no, the things that you think have been happening in the world aren't just because they just happen to work out that way. Like you've had cards in your hand this whole time that you never realized that you had. Um, And yet it's just like brilliant, brilliant commentary. And like, even just the way that Toby uh, deals with the emotions and the guilt that he feels and like the fact that like um, like everything with his uncle and like his uncle um, like all I don't even know how to like <laughs> put my thoughts together on this but like even everything like with his uncle and his uncle like sort of looking out for him so to speak in certain ways and like trying to protect him or shield him from certain things like that in and of itself is like such a privileged position to be in and things like that and it's like stuff that like toby never even considered or thought about until that moment in time yeah and yeah even when you as soon as you mentioned the uncle stepping in for toby i was just like oh god like all of these um, all these emotions are coming back to me about how his uncle basically takes takes the fall yeah for toby but but then the speculation that you know that he took the fall for Toby so that Toby wouldn't have to learn this possibly so he wouldn't have to learn that his cousins killed the guy. Yeah. Um, so it's oh, so many, so many layers to this book. Yeah. And it's like um, one of those books that I think like, I don't reread very often, but this is one I want to reread. I want to give myself a little bit of more space between it. So that way I can forget a little bit of it so it's still like a little bit fun um but also i do want to see it like knowing how everything turns out to see like how it reads on it because i feel like with a second or third reading like you'll pick up on things differently with this one a lot more than some of our other ones yeah and yeah you get kind of like you get a better sense of how of how things were kind of constructed yeah to create this story um so what did you think of it being a standalone i mean i was okay with it um, like, I don't think I want more from, the, like, I don't think I can handle more from this family. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. I was like trying to think, I was like, if they made it into a series, like, it would it just follow the family, I guess. Um, but I mean, I was totally fine with it. Like, cause it feels completely different from the D- Dublin Murder Squad series, not just because 
it's like slower paced and things like that, but also just like the point of view. Like I thought it was really interesting to have it from the quote unquote civilians point of view um, because a lot of um, like her other books and crime novels or detective novels in general, like there's a lot of like things happening and things moving because you're constantly like looking for clues, finding clues, trying to figure out how those clues fit in with other pieces of information that you already have or like, you know, talking to suspects, things like that. But when you're on the victim side of it, you're like kept in the dark um, for like significant portions of the investigation. So you're as a reader and also like the characters in the book, obviously, you're not really sure like what the police already knows, what they're thinking about, who they're suspecting, things like that. And it added this really interesting tension um, that I never would have noticed, I think, unless I had that comparison point to like the Dublin Murder Squad books. Like I feel like the fact that you don't know what the detectives are thinking at all um, just adds again yeah like a really interesting layer and a really interesting tension and it also just like makes the mystery feel so different because in the end it also isn't i mean it is obviously about like solving the crime but also it isn't at the same time so yeah i just thought it was really great and really interesting but i don't know if i would want a whole like series like this or maybe if it's like similarly themed or something like that but i don't think i could handle a series like with this family or anything <laughs> no i totally i totally don't i totally agree this i think this needs to be a standalone um but i did like to, when i was reading it i felt like it fit in with the Dublin Dublin Murder Squad series, um, it felt because I, I I think I was telling I think I was telling you or I know I, I know I told Blaine that the. I'm like, it feels like a Dublin Murder Squad book, but from the other side of the investigation. Um, And because, you know, we've read the, let's see how many, six, yeah, six um, Dublin Murder Squad books before this one. Like, well, like you said, you don't know what the police are thinking, but we know how the Dublin Murder Squad police operate. So I'm like, don't you trust them? Don't you trust those crafty SOBs? (laughs) Like... (laughs) It's like they are sneaky. I'm like, don't believe them. They are lying to you. I don't know about what, but they know something. So I kind of felt myself in that mode for a big part of it. Yeah. And I liked that that element, that sneakiness was there, even though it was we're not on the side of knowing what's you know what their what their end game is. We're kind of like freaking out with the main characters, like, oh my god, what are you doing? What's going on? Um, I know. And one of the things I really liked was that what I don't remember what the cousin's name is, Suzette or Susan or. Uh, I'm not going to remember uh, the female cousin. Um, she's like super like like the when the investigation starts, she's like, don't tell like we need to corroborate our like stories and we need to like do all of this stuff and you shouldn't trust them and all of this stuff. Oh, that's another thing now that I'm just like having this mental uh, thought about the cousin. Everything that happened with her. Oh, my gosh. Um, when she was talking about her situations with like her doctor's. When she was uh, giving birth, I don't know if you remember this part, Katie. Um, I'm, I, it might come back to me as you start talking. Like she basically tells a story about how like when she was giving or she was having, I think it was the first child, how like her gynecologist was like a total jerk face yes. to her and like yes. forced her to do procedures that she wasn't comfortable with doing and basically just told her like she had no choice. And I think there was something brought up in the book that I'm not going to be able to remember, but it's like an Irish law about like – the rights of mothers as opposed to doctors when they're like giving birth 
and what happens in like the room and stuff like that. And it was like a super antiquated law that like basically wouldn't give mothers a whole lot of choice about what happened with their bodies. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was like a thing that like I I was reading an art copy and I remember like in the end um, they actually had to put a note saying like the law was just changed like within the past year of like basically like since Tana French had written the book, the law had changed. Um, And so like, it's not, you know, as accurate whatsoever, but like, these are actual things that would happen um, to women uh, who are giving birth. Basically like they would be forced to do like either do procedures or take medications or like anything along those lines, like just because their gynecologist said they had to. Yes, I do remember that. Um, I just think in general, of when you find out that every like everything that happened to Susanna, I looked up the name. Thank you. you were, I was like, I knew it was um, something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I picked up a, a hard copy of the book this weekend so I could have it next to me. Um, but... Uh, yeah, when you just all of the stuff that she had to go through, either you know on that end or the the harassment and the yeah. assault and the bullying that she that she had to go through and that Leon had to go through, it's just it's horrifying. Yeah. Like I just remember being in just a perpetual state of like just like oh my god, but at the same time like recognizing everything that she's talking about yeah. and being like, yeah, that, and it's not and like, you know, that she talks about, you know, these, these really horrific things, these se- sexual assault and, and all of this stuff, but it's not done in a way like that you get in a lot of mystery novels, like, Oh, the dead girl thing, or, Oh, a woman has been violated. Like it's not done in that way. It's not done to, it's not done to, you know, titillate the reader. It's, you know, there is, there is a reason why she is talking about this and it is purposeful and it's not gratuitous. And it just, it is just so like it, it, there's just so, so much weight to like, to, the character talking about this stuff. It was just, it was horrifying. Um, and then speaking of horrifying, we have to, we have to talk about the end. Yes. Cause that was like the bleakest ending I have ever. Oh my God. Like I thought, um, Oh, uh, I'm blanking. I'm blanking. Broken Harbor, broken Harbor. I thought was like out of all the town of French books, Broken Harbor for me had the bleakest ending. Yeah, I think so. This one tossed that one out of the water. Holy cow. <laughs> Agreed. Um, I like so that was also I think a reason why like when you finish these this book specifically, you're going to have a lot of feelings because it like leaves you um, just sort of like sitting there in this like, OK, now Fog. this deti- like part of me was like, I like that detective. <laughs> Rafferty? Yeah, like I was like, oh, like he's like the type of detective that you would follow in the Dublin Murder Squad series. So it made me sort of like, like him a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But then even just like everything, like him, like all of that work, work. I mean, like part of me is just like, well, I guess he's kind of getting what he asked. Well, like not that he's getting what he asked for, but like part of me didn't feel bad for Toby. <laughs> I think it's just because, like, with all of the crap that has just, like, been revealed, I was just like, oh, I hate these men with their privilege. <laughs> oh, boy. I know. That's that's my own issues I need to work out with. <laughs> no, I had, similar, I had kind of a similar reaction. So I'm going, oh, boy, like, oh, God, yeah. 
<laughs> but like at the same time, like you re- you can recognize like how dark and sad it is because like at the same time, you don't want someone else to be dead and you don't want like more people going to jail. Like that's not the hap- that's not not happy ending, but that's not like the ending that people actually want to see from, you know, like you would like to see some sort of like redemption or even just like the chance at like moving on, the chance of like Toby being able to like learn from his mistakes in the past and be a better person moving forward. But that is definitely not <laughs> what's going to happen now. Yeah, that when I when I um like I yeah I remember it's like okay you know it's kind of like like the the way I thought that what I thought was going to be the ending was you know him realizing what his cousins did and it's like okay yeah that's kind of like Tana French has it's like she has these reveals that they're not anticlimactic but it's not like leading up to a big oh, you did this yeah. like it's it's a really kind of either a slow reveal or it just kind of like pops up you're like oh oh okay we're okay this is now we know um so I was thinking, you know, and I was reading a digital copy, so I didn't have as good a sense of how much was left in the book or how much of it was like, oh, the, you know, these are blank pages or, you know, because it was a, an advanced copy. Yeah. Um, so when that whole last section of the book comes where he kills Rafferty and then tries to commit suicide, I was just like, oh, my God, I was not expecting this. Holy cow. And so I kind of, I was like, I, I kind of finished the book in like a, oh, well, that was intense. Oh boy. Like I kind of had to sit there and fan myself for a little bit. Like, oh God, oh Lordy, what happened? Um, so I don't, um, I, and I mentioned before when I gave my, when I gave my copy to Blaine to read. And he he went into the bedroom for a while. He's like, no, I'm going to finish this book. I got to find out what happens. Um, and then he's in there for a while. And then he just comes back. He just marches into the living room and, like, throws the Kindle on the couch next to me. He was like, I have feelings. And then turned around and walked back into the bedroom. <laughs> so I didn't I, – I have not had a chance to – no, maybe I, maybe we did talk about it. I can't I can't remember if we had if we had a, a long conversation about it. I'll have to check in with him about what um, what what his feelings were. Um, but yeah, that, that this book it was like it it's you know, yeah it starts off slow, but by the end you're just like like having heart palpitations. Yeah, it's like oh my god, what did I just read? Um, and then you're like, as you think about it, you're like weeping over the brilliance of it. You're just like, oh my god, what did I just read? Yeah, it's insane. Ton of French is amazing. Like, this is like one of those books where like, so like I went on Goodreads to look at what other people Reviews. thought of it. With, oh yeah, I did that too tonight. <laughs> yeah, and like it's all over the place. Um, people either love or hate this book, and like to I mean I'm never going to do it, but like to everyone who hates this book, which like obviously you're more than welcome to. Like their their main complaint is just the fact that it's slow, and that like nothing happens for like the first 200 pages, which I understand, um, especially if you're expecting something out of this book. Um, but if you kind of go into this book with no expectations at all, like and you just take it for what it is, and you look to see like what Tana French is trying to do here, it's. So so brilliant and mm-hmm. so unlike anything else that's happening in my opinion in the mystery world like she, this one like feels sort of like she took a page from like Megan Abbott or something like that where she has like this like 
significantly deeper storyline happening in here that you don't realize is necessarily happening until you're like in the midst of it, which Mm -hmm. I really enjoy. Yeah, no, I do too. And this is, I mean, I mean, Tana Tana French is amazing amazing and should be, you know, inducted into the sainthood or whatever. (laughs) Um, She just, I just, I have, I have no words for what she does. Like it's, it's and it's not like oh you know oh she writes literary mysteries like no 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 she this is not like oh it's a more literary story i mean it is but that i it doesn't get at what at just truly how amazing her books are yep. like it just it just doesn't even scratch the surface and you know as um you know, as as much as as we try to recruit new town of French, new town of French fans, um, one of a couple of my friends, the the two from college who um were we like have like a little town of French trio that we use to like get get other people hooked. Like we'll send each other like text screenshots. It's like I got this person hooked on town of French, or I gave them my copy of this. And one and one of my friends, she's like, I'm thinking about buying a bunch of just really cheap paperback copies of her books at like used bookstores, so I can just hand them out to people, so I don't have to keep giving them mine. I'm like you totally should like for for a ton of French novels that is totally yeah that is totally justified yeah um but you know as much as we try to you know uh as much as we try to recruit new readers like it I understand for some people the way her books play out or the way her books end it's not for everyone yeah especially if you if you are a more traditional mystery fan and you like there to be a sense of redemption the bad guy is caught and things are wrapped up you you know even if there are a couple of like open ended things like i think a lot of a lot of mystery readers want just kind of want that overall package it's you don't get that with with town of french but there's just so much to to just like you just you just want to like dive in there and just like just get so tangled up in like all of the messy snarls that she's got going on. Yeah. And then and then come out of it and just be like, "Wow, that was absolutely brilliant." Yeah. I don't have much more. I think that's a good place to end it cuz we're going kind of long on our episode to be honest. <laughs> I well, on that we will uh We'll jump into new releases and kind of breeze through those. I only picked three this three main ones this week. Um, so moving on from Tana French, and if you uh, have also read The Witch Elm and want to discuss it with us, please hit us up. You know, we love to discuss this stuff. Um, anyway, we've got some awesome new releases coming out uh, coming out this week. First one on the list, one we have already talked about at length, but it is finally published and is finally here. My Sister the Serial Killer by Oyinkin. Braithwaite. Braithwaite. It's okay. I think it's Braithwaite. Braithwaite. Okay. I do apologize to to the author for mispronouncing your name very, very deeply because your book is amazing. Um, So if you have not uh, heard our previous episodes or don't remember us talking about it, uh, it's described as a short, darkly funny hand grenade of a novel about a Nigerian woman whose younger sister has a very inconvenient habit of killing her boyfriends. Um, so the, I mean, that, 
pretty much just just sums just sums it up. The main the main character Corita is bitter. How could she not be? Her sister Ayula is many things: the favorite child, the beautiful one, and possibly sociopathic. And now Ayula's third boyfriend in a row is dead. Uh, Corita's practicality is the sister's saving grace. She knows the best solutions for cleaning blood. The trunk of her car is big enough for her body, and she keeps Ayula from posting pictures of her dinner to Instagram when she be, she should be mourning her missing boyfriend. Not that she gets any credit. And then you find out that Corita has long been in love with a kind, handsome doctor at the hospital where she works. And she dreams of the day when they will get together and he will realize that that he is in love with her too. But when, but then he asks Corita for Ayula's phone number and Corita must reckon with what her sister has become and how far Corita is willing to go to protect her. Um, it this book is just amazing. It's it's razor sharp. It's nasty. It's funny. It's got all kinds of layers, and it's a tiny, short little book that packs all of this substance into this tiny little package. Uh, they've uh, is a deliciously deadly debut that is as fun as it is frightening. So that book has uh, was released yesterday on November twentieth, and that is My Sister the Serial Killer by Oyinkin. Help me out. Braywate. Braywate. So walk, do not, or run, do not walk. Run, do not walk to your nearest bookstore and pick up a copy of this book immediately. Yeah. Uh, next on the list, we have Newcomer by Keigo Higashino, uh, who we've talked to, and we've talked about uh, one of his books as well. The Devotion um, of Suspect X. Yes, The Devotion of Suspect X. Yes, that was a very good book. Um, this is... Uh, about Tokyo police detective Kiyochiro Kaga, who is assigned to a baffling murder, as is often the case with mystery novels. Um, he has uh, he has been transferred to a new precinct in a different area of Tokyo, uh, and he is assigned to the team investigating the murder of a woman. But the more he investigates, the greater number of potential suspects emerges. It isn't long before it seems nearly all of the people living and working in the business district have a motive for murder. To prevent the murderer from eluding justice, Kaga must unravel all of the secrets surrounding a complicated life. Buried somewhere in the woman's past, in her family history, and the last few days of her life is the clue that will lead to the murderer. Um, so again, that is Newcomer by Kago Higashino, and that book is um, is already out uh, and available for purchase. And then finally, we have the Frangipani Tree Mystery by Ovidia Yu, which is also available um, is also on sale. Uh, this is the first in a delightfully charming crime series set in 1930 Singapore, and it introduces amateur sleuth Su Lin, a local girl stepping in as governess for the acting governor of Singapore. 1936 in the Crown Colony of Singapore and the British abdication crisis and rising Japanese threats seem very far away. When the Irish nanny looking after acting Governor Palin's... Oh, Governor Palin. Acting Governor Palin's daughter dies suddenly, and in mysterious circumstances, mission school-educated local girl Su Lin, an aspiring journalist trying to escape an arranged marriage, is invited to take her place. But then another murder at the residence occurs, and it seems very likely that a killer is stalking the corridors of Government House. It now takes all of Su Lin's traditional skills and intelligence to help British-born Chief Inspector Thomas Lefroy solve the murders and escape with her own life. Um, so again, that is the Frangipani Tree Mystery by Ovidia Yu, which is which is available at bookstores uh, at bookstores now. If this uh, seems like something that you are interested in, and then as an honorable mention, uh, next week. 
week on November 27th, uh, Kingdom of the Blind by Louise Penny uh, will be uh, will be released. This is the next book in the Inspector Gamache series. Um, we didn't do a full uh, n- note for this one because, I mean, Louise Penny is huge, and pretty much if you're a mystery fan, you know she's you you know when she has a new book coming out. But we definitely didn't want to uh, not mention it. So uh, next week, uh, all of you Louise Penny fans will be very happy as you can pick up the next book in the Gamache series. Yeah, I loved uh, new releases this week, <laughs> um, partially because the first book, My Sister the Sierra Killer, again, we both read it and both loved it. And then the other two I'm already on hold for at the library for when my library gets a copy of them. So <laughs> this was like <laughs> my week. I was like, yes, I want all. I mean, I always want all of them. But this is one where I was like, I'm actually like making the effort to put these books on hold because I loved The Devotion of Suspect X so much. And Fragile Panty Tree Mystery just sounds so delightful. So Yes. Um, Okay, so to wrap things up, I can talk about what I've been uh, reading and slash want to read. So a book that I just recently finished, like literally minutes before we started recording, uh, was The Impossible Girl by Lydia King. This is a relatively like smaller release from what I can tell. It was like paperback first uh, printing and things like that. It came out earlier this year. Um, It takes place in 1850s Manhattan, and you are following this character named Cora Lee, who was uh, born out of wedlock, and um, she was born of mixed race. Um, So her mother was like a wealthy socialite, and her uh, father is believed to be like a Chinese sailor or something along those lines. And so... um, the story starts off and you find out that like Coralie is born with like two hearts. Um, and then you like sort of flash forward in time. Um, and Coralie, uh, has grown up and become a female resurrectionist. Um, so basically what she does is she's like made this, uh, niche for herself where she digs up. She's basically a grave robber. She digs up dead bodies and like sells the bodies to various like universities and doctors and anatomists and things like that. But she sort of specializes in um, getting the bodies of people who have like different physical anomalies or anything like that. Um, so that way, like people like basically the anatomists and doctors will pay a higher price for them because they are anomalies. So they'll either use them for study or they will just like put them on display. Um, this is sort of like the beginning of like the uh it's not Ringling Brothers. I forgot who it is. Who has like the freak circuses and stuff like that. So like people like people with like physical ana- anomalies is like really hot market and things like that. Um, but it, she's a resurrectionist not only because of that, but because she has two hearts and she like that's not publicly known. Um, but she knows that like someone could potentially be on the lookout for her. And so the story sort of continues, and it turns out that. Um, as a resurrectionist, she keeps hearing about someone wants uh, she someone has like a list of things that they are looking for, and on there is a female of mixed race descent um, who has two hearts, and so it becomes sort of the story about like who knows about her, who doesn't know about her, who can she trust, um, who's out to get her and to potentially kill her, and things like that. Um, this book was like a pretty good read. Like I spent a lot of it just being like. I didn't know exactly where it was going, um, but the ending was very well done. I was very surprised by some some of the twists I saw coming, um, but for the most part, I was like really surprised by how everything sort of turned out, and I like the way that it wrapped everything up. This one is probably on the more like literary. I put I'm doing air quotes, which you can't see, um, but like. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, it's sort of like closer to that end of the spectrum in terms of like mysteries, but it also obviously has that like historical feel to it because it does take place in 1850. Um, so if you like historical mysteries, I think that this would be a fun one to pick up. And I just think in general, it was just like, it has, again, good commentary about being of mixed race descent. Um, there's a female doctor in the book then. So there's a lot of really great commentary about what it's like for her um, being like the only slash one of the only female doctors in the area. Um, and yeah, it's just like, it's an interesting story. Like it's one of those books where I was like, I don't know, like it was compelling enough that I like had to keep reading. Cause I was just like the entire time I was like, I need to know what's going to happen. Like I need to know who like knows this information is, is out to get her. That was what was going through my head the whole time, which is basically what you want when you're reading a mystery book. Um, so again, that is called the impossible girl by Lydia King. And then in terms of what I am currently reading or planning on starting, um, I'm super excited. So we're recording this episode the day before Thanksgiving, and then it's getting released the day after Thanksgiving. Um, I uh, have Thanksgiving and then the day after Thanksgiving off, and then I have all of next week off. Oh, I am so excited. <laughs> so clearly I'm going to be doing lots of reading. Um, I don't know exactly what I'm going to be reading, but like obviously the number of unread books that I have is like getting a little bit out of control. Like obviously it's always out of control, but like even for me, I'm like, okay, this is getting to be too much. Um, so I'm hoping to like just tackle my pile of books as much as I possibly can over the course of the next like 10 days. Um, the one I'm still reading Blood in the Water by Heather Ann Thompson, which I mentioned in the last episode, and I'm loving it, but as much as you can love a book about prison riots. Um, <laughs> but like I, I've been taking my time with it because like I'll read chunks of it and I'm just like so saddened by the events that have occurred that I'm just like I have to I have to stop reading this now and move on to like another book, like a fiction book or something along those lines because it just makes me so sad. But it's like so well written and researched and well done. Um, so I'll definitely be done with this before the next episode. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say to like mention that one again um, as a book that I'm currently reading and really enjoying. But otherwise, uh, the world is my oyster and I'm hoping to come back with the next episode with like 25 books. It won't be that many, um, but maybe like two or three mystery books <laughs> to talk about. Yeah, I for me, I um, part I've kind of part of this has been kind of readjusting to Chicago time and getting over jet lag and stuff. So um, I haven't done a ton of reading outside of rereading Harry Potter and listening to a Beatles biography on audio. Um, so I haven't really finished anything noteworthy, and I'm not sure what I'm going to be starting. Um, I am not so lucky as to have uh, the whole week off. But then again, I did just come back from three weeks off. So I suppose that's... that's uh, not uh yeah i suppose that's to be expected yeah you um, can't really complain then <laughs> no um however i am hoping now that i do not have a wedding to plan which people does not a lot of people seem to understand when i'm when they're like how'd the wedding go and i'm like it was fantastic it was beautiful i wouldn't have changed a thing i am so glad it's over oh my goodness <laughs> I thought I would have a harder time, like, oh, my God, what do I do? Like, like I spent a whole year planning this. I'm just like, yay, I'm done. <laughs> so I'm hoping that now that my schedule has opened up some, I will have more freedom and more time and more relaxation time and just more time to sit down and, and read stuff and not have to worry about emails and picking stuff up from the printer and phone calls and, oh, God. Um <laughs> So I'm not sure yet. So in a way, the world is my oyster as well. Um, and I uh, hope, yeah, hopefully I will have come back and finished something uh, by uh, 
next episode. Um, and I will I will use this as an opportunity to remind everyone um, by December 3rd to get in any uh, questions or recommendations that you would like us to make for the holiday uh, gift episode. Yes, please send those in. Um, so yeah, that's basically our show. If you want to send us your questions or like your situations or scenarios that you have where you need book recommendations, you can email us. Um, you can do that at redordead at bookriot.com. Or again, you can send us tweets. We'll have our Twitter handles at the end of the uh, the episode too. Um, if you want to talk to us about Tana French, you're more than welcome to email us or tweet at us about that as well. Um, or if you have ideas for future episodes, you can definitely send those along as well. But definitely send us your holiday recommendations, uh, questions or anything along those lines that you need because we are very excited to do that for you guys. If you want to uh, give us a review over on Apple Podcasts, that would also be great. Uh, so that way other people can discover our podcast. So please do that if you haven't already. Um, and if you want to find me on the internet, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincy A. And I am on Twitter at KT underscore Library Lady. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>